with a website that gives you some real excitement without charging you by the minute. It really is a lot of fun. TalkZone.com And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Heron. You're listening to Sports and Torts. Let's get right to our next guest, an NBA Hall of Famer, a nine-time All-Star, one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history, one of the 10 greatest coaches in NBA history, won a championship with the Seattle Supersonics back in the late 70s. He also had a very difficult job in 1992, which he did well. He was coach of the Dream Team with the greatest athletes ever assembled in basketball history. And let's go right to our guest, Lenny Wilkins. How are you doing, Lenny? I'm doing fine, thank you. So, are you out in what, the Seattle area right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We make our home in uh, the Seattle area. It's a little town called Medina, which is right on Lake Washington. Lenny, you coached that 1992 Dream Team. How did you get that job? I mean, everybody must have wanted that job. Well, I, I guess uh, I don't. You know, uh, Chuck Daly called me and wanted me to work with him and. Uh, he was the head coach of the 92 team, and uh, which eventually led to me being the head coach of the 96 team. But uh, uh, Chuck wanted me to uh, be his assistant. <clears throat> what was that experience like? Well, it was a great experience. We, you know, uh, at that time, uh, the previous teams hadn't done very well in the Olympics, and uh, you know, um, we had kind of slipped a little bit, uh, the U.S. So uh, these players wanted to show the world that they were the best because it was the first time that they allowed our pros to play. Uh, and uh, throughout Europe, uh, the guys on the various Olympic teams from the various countries uh, had all been playing pro ball, So, and we were never allowed to. So it was the first time, and uh, it was great. It was great. The guys uh, were very professional. They, they wanted to show the world that uh, you know, we, they were the best, and, and it was an incredible experience. Usually teams have like one player that's the leader they all look to. When you had that many stars, who was the leader in that team, or was there no leader? Well, I think they all kind of stepped up, you know, and certainly I, I would say that uh, guys like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Magic Johnson, you know, and, 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 you know, and the rest of the guys, any of them could have been, any of them could have been the leaders. And, but I think those guys probably set the tone a little bit. How Charles did- Barkley. How difficult was it getting all those egos to mesh, to, to, Not, be, to be a team? Uh, it wasn't hard at all. We, we talked to them. We told them what our goal was, what we were trying to accomplish, and uh, we selected them because we felt that they could do it. And, and they all responded very positively. I mean, no, the egos were not uh, in the way. We told them it's a short period of time, uh, and it's, it's a chance to show the world how good they are. And every guy, every guy, stepped up uh we had incredible practices uh, you know uh, our practices sometimes were better than the games down in miami they've got some issues going on now they're riding a five six game losing streak they're playing the lakers tonight what do you think's going on is it that there's only one basketball or is the coach not controlling them right or is there nothing you could do with those three guys well, it, 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 that's a difficult judgment to make because if you're not there, you're not at the practices, uh, it's hard to, to say that this is the problem or that's the problem. Uh, certainly, they're all outstanding players, and uh, and sometimes it takes a little time to come together. 
but uh, to say what that this is the problem or that's the problem, I don't know that you can do that unless you're there every day. I'm not there, so I'm on the outside looking in, and, and I'm not going to pass judgment that way. Do you enjoy being on the outside looking in, or would you rather be in again? <laughs> well, at times I'd like to be there, and at times I'm happy where I am. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know I always uh, playoffs are very competitive, and, and you uh, that part I miss. Uh, the season, I don't miss that, you know. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. I mean, I watch every game. I, I try and, uh, analyze games, you know, and see, you know, what would you do if you were there? Things like that. And, that, and that's natural with a coach. You were one of the 50 greatest players they announced in 1996 for the 50th anniversary of the NBA. And then you went down as one of the 10 greatest coaches. A lot of times, the great players make terrible coaches. What was different about you versus, say, the Bill Russells who coached and, like, the Ted Williams who just couldn't get it? Yeah. Well, I was a point guard, and uh, I think the point guards have an advantage in that they know who wants the ball, they know who should have the ball, they know what will work, what we should be running, how to get people involved, things like that. And, and you know, and those are important things. The, the other thing that's important is uh, – Making sure guys uh, practice hard, you know, uh, that you accomplish something in practice. You're not just there to shoot the shoot around. So I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, being a point guard certainly uh, helped me a lot because I understood that. But um, I, uh, I I enjoyed the game, and, and, and I tried to always see, you know, how do you make a player better? Uh, the guy that I liked uh, when I first started uh, playing and coaching was uh, Red Orbach because I always thought that, he maximized his talent. You know, he got the most out of his players, and and I think that's what a coach has to do. Now, is it easier for a guy who has the credibility of having been a star player, as opposed to a guy who hasn't played in the league or may, his last basketball, if he was lucky, may have been in college? Well, that opens the door for you. But once you step through, the players are going to know if you know what you're talking about. They're going to watch. They, they'll be paying attention. Okay, you got their respect as soon as you step in. Now it's keeping it. I'm one of those guys who can remember when you were a player back in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. What, what you got was good what, memory. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But, but that. That was a pretty good team that you were on. You 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 joined them a couple years after they won the NBA, their only NBA championship, and you did make it to the finals against mm-hmm. Boston. Uh, what was it like playing with Bob Pettit? Oh, it was great because uh, Bob was a great player. He, uh, you know, he set an example. He he competed every night he came to play and i thought that well that's what a professional does you know he he comes ready every night uh he tries to make his teammates better and uh and bob certainly was that and and i enjoyed playing with him and once he saw that i understood the game and knew the game i never had to ask him to come set a screen i mean he was there right away because he knew that if i got open and they double he'd get the ball back so so bob bob was a smart player but uh but like I said, very uh, very much a professional. And then the Hawks transitioned to the Zelmo Beatty era, and then uh, Pogo Joe Caldwell. People talk about David Thompson being able to jump. Uh, can can you describe Joe Caldwell? I remember his first game with the Hawks. He went something like twelve out of thirteen from the field. The only shot he missed was a rebound. Yeah. And the guy could jump out of a uh, Keel Auditorium there in St. Louis. Uh, and 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 with such ease. I mean, you know, he would, we'd be running down and we had a little signal, a little yell he used to give, you know, and he'd take off and, and I'd find him with a pass and 
And I mean, he'd go up off the ground so easy. This this guy had incredible athleticism, uh, you know, and uh, he he could he could defend as well. Speaking so, of athleticism, guy who gets sort of lost in the shuffle. All this is Elgin Baylor. I mean, to yeah. me, he was the first truly athletic NBA star. I mean, he he did things that Dr. J followed in his footsteps. You know, yeah. and people know Dr. J and they know Michael Jordan, but Elgin Baylor could do things that people hadn't seen on a court. Well, he, he you know, he was the first guy I saw change uh, hands with the ball in, in midair, you know, and he'd spin around and do things. And, and Elgin, you know, it's just that they didn't televise as many games. You didn't see the highlights, the replays that you see today, or else, yeah, they would be saying, wow, this guy was incredible. But uh, he was. I mean, he was the guy to set the tone. All these other guys came after him, and and yes, they were great players. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, anyone who saw him play knows that he was one of the best, and certainly very deserving of Hall of Fame and you know top fifty player. I mean, there's no question in my mind. You played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You later coached them. What happened with Cleveland last summer with the Le- Le- LeBron James, basically the whole media circus, and now you got Carmelo Anthony saying, "I will only play for the New York Knicks." Do you think that's going to destroy the NBA, or you think the league's going to step in and change it? Well, uh, the league has to be very careful about that. I mean, I just don't. Uh, it's not something, uh, you know, that uh, I think is healthy for the league because if all the top players start wanting to go to one place or two places, what happens to the rest of the teams? You know, uh, and and certainly uh, I, I think it would affect them in, in the long run. But, um I, you know, I don't know what happened to Cleveland. Uh, as I said, I wasn't there. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, when, when uh, LeBron became a free agent, uh, as the rules stand right now, he was entitled to go wherever he wanted to. Uh, now, they maybe they went over the top a little bit in, 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 <laughs> in publicizing it, you know, and having the hour-long show and that kind of stuff. But certainly uh, I felt that the owner... Uh, should have, you know, he was a little ticked off. He had every right to be, but to to come out and and just blast the player and stuff like that—that's totally uncalled for, and that doesn't help him any. So, you know, but the league certainly has to watch this. It's just something that uh, certainly goes with. Uh, if if you're a complete free agent, you can go where you want to. We had a rule there for a short period of time that. If a free agent was signed by another team, they had to compensate the team. I always liked that one. I thought that was a pretty good rule, but uh, I don't know where it went. <laughs> now, in Chicago, we have a, a fairly decent point guard, <laughs> Derek Rose. like yeah. to, to get your assessment of him. I, I, I like him. I think he's outstanding. I think that, you know, he can get to where he wants to on the court. He understands he'll make his teammates better. Uh, you know, I think sometimes when they isolate him, maybe a little too much, but, uh, he certainly, uh, is, is, uh, one of the top point guards in our league right now. This, this young man makes a difference. He makes his team better. And, uh, and he finds the open man. I mean, he, he's unselfish. He'll give the ball up. So I, I think his future is huge, very bright. Are you kind of surprised that Pat Riley hasn't stepped out and took, taken over the heat yet? Because it seems like, before, he would step in if there was problems when he was in New York and other places, and I'm surprised he hasn't done it yet. Well, uh, he is not over. <laughs> <laughs> right, right about playoff time, you look for Pat to come out of the, uh, no, I, the executive I no suite? Idea. I have no idea. You know, I, 
Would you I take do. the job? If Pat Riley called you and said, would you take over the heat, would you do it? I, I, I have no idea. I don't know. You're too busy with your foundation. <laughs> right. What is it, it's, the Lenny Wilkins Foundation? Yes, yes. We uh, we raise funds for, uh, you know, um, my, my main charity is the Odessa Brown Children's Clinic in Seattle, and which provides, you know, uh, health care and education uh, to young people. And that's so important because so many people today uh, don't have health care insurance, and it's very difficult. And, you know, if you know anything about young people, uh, if they're not feeling good or they're hungry or whatever, and they go to school, they're not going to learn. You know, they're not going to learn. So uh, it's incumbent upon us as adults to, to make sure that it's a positive attitude, that they feel good, that uh, they're being challenged. You know, I, I think young people are tomorrow's citizens, tomorrow's uh, doctors, lawyers, judges, you know, and so it's important that uh, we make this or uh, encourage them to achieve those things. Now, when you were growing up in New York, did you say to yourself, when I uh, when I grow up, I want to be a coach, a player, a, a doctor? No, I, I was thinking, uh, as I got older, I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> I had a great history teacher who could make us all feel like we, we were right there when it was happening. And I thought, what a gift, you know, uh, to be able to teach young people to to get them to be positive about, you know, their future, what they want to do. So I thought teaching was a great, great profession, and uh, that was what I had in mind at first. I see you're Irish. Did it kind of hurt that you never played for the Celtics? Because aren't they Ireland's team? <laughs> well, you know, they, they tried to get me. When the Hawks moved to uh, Atlanta, we had a contract problem. And, you know, we didn't have free agency. But I wouldn't sign the contract because it wasn't to my liking. And so uh, they traded me to uh, Seattle. And certainly Boston was interested. I knew that, and and I they wouldn't let me talk to Red, and and they wouldn't make the deal. So now, could a coach like Red Arbach survive and thrive in this contemporary NBA? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The, the coaches adjust, you know. Uh, I think that uh, all good coaches uh, can coach in any era. It's like a, a great athlete can play in any era, given the same age, and you know. He's in in good shape, but it's it's relating to people. Now, if you don't, if you can't relate to people, you're gonna have a problem. I don't care who you are, but it's it's relating to people, and I and I think that uh, Red could do that. His only problem is he wouldn't be able to light up a victory cigar nowadays. <laughs> well, that might that might cause a problem. <laughs> a lot of people ask you who the greatest player was in the NBA or who you build a team around. I want to ask you if you were to start a team, who would be your coach? Uh, that's hard to say. You know, uh, we, we, we got uh, a lot of, I think, great young coaches in the league, uh, you know, and certainly the veteran coaches have done tremendous jobs. I mean, you, you look at, uh, you know, Phil Jackson's done a great job, uh, you know, over the years. You, you look at uh, Doc Rivers, he's done a great job. I mean, I, I you know, there are a lot of good coaches. It's just that uh, if you don't have the talent, you, you know, you're not going to win. It, yeah, it's tough to make that assessment. You know, Phil's always had the superstar player, and I don't, I don't question his coaching ability mm-hmm. at all. But you, you can't compare apples to oranges, and that's pretty. Well, that's pretty, that's true, true enough. But uh, still, when you have great players, you got to be able to get them to play. Now, have you had great players who were reluctant to play? 
No, 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 no. I, I had a borderline player who <laughs> thought he was better. <laughs> That's why they, that's why they're borderline players. Right. right. <laughs> I see you were with Toronto from 2000 to 2003 and the Knicks from 2004 to 5. Were you real tight with Isaiah Thomas that he wanted you wherever he went? Um, I, you know, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, when I went to New York, um, we, we didn't always agree on everything and, uh, and that's why I was only there a year because, uh, uh, I, I did turn that team around. Uh, I got them to the playoffs that, you know, which they hadn't been. But we, we made a couple of trades I didn't like and, and I thought that hurt us and, you know, so it, it, the tenure there wasn't very long. Now, is it important to the NBA that the Knickerbockers be a quality franchise? Uh, I, I think all franchises should be quality. I don't, I don't see why the Knicks should be over somebody else. You know, it's up to them to work hard, make good judgments, good decisions, you know, acquire good players. Uh, every franchise should be wanting to do that. Because a lot of people are saying that the talent's so diluted that we need some contraction in the NBA to make it more competitive. Get rid of some of the teams like down in uh, Memphis or Toronto. New Orleans. New Orleans. Well, I think right now 30 is a good number, but I think that uh, good judgment should be made in selecting talent. And, uh, you know... Uh, the, the thing, uh, I don't begrudge any player making as much as he can, but I think sometimes general managers, owners, have to be smarter about how much they're going to pay a guy, uh, who they're signing. You know, uh, some of these guys have made a lot of money, but they weren't great talents. Not like our next guest we're going to have coming back, Sam Jones. You remember him. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, let me tell you. Then that, that guy could stop on a dime and uh, make a, a jump shot, a bank shot from the side better than anybody. It was like a layup to him. <laughs> I mean, so you didn't enjoy guarding Sam Jones? <laughs> uh, hey, listen, no. He, he, <laughs> he used to always talk to me. You know, he'd say, I was a rookie. And, and, of course, with the Hawks at that time, they didn't have many plays for the guards. It was always for the big guys. And he'd say to me, like, when's your turn? <laughs> 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 Sounds great. Thank you, Coach Wilkins. It was a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Good luck and hope to see you again soon. All right. Thank you so much and give Sam my best, please. We will. All right. There was a legendary NBA Hall of Famer coach, player, Lenny Wilkins. When we come back, we'll have on another NBA Hall of Famer, one of the 50 greatest players, Sam Jones. You listen to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com.